Hour number three of Spears and Ali, presented by Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Huge thanks to our producer today, Medea, for bringing us in to Too Short. And for all you kids listening, watch watch how I can control your parents or guardian or aunt, uncle, whoever's, uh, whoever you're driving around with. Because all I got to say is, what's my favorite word? And then, yeah, we can't say it on these uh, radio airways, but your parents can when they're driving around in the car. And I got to say, during the Grammys last night when they did that Hip Hop 50 set, when they had Mary J. Blige, when they had Outkast and Method Man and LL Cool J and all the old school hip hop artists, they even had Ice-T up there. It was such a cool celebration. And they had Too Short up there. And they did the blow the whistle, and I'm like, they're not going to do actually do the part where he says, what's my favorite word? And they did it. And I screamed the B word so loud <laughs> in my living room last night. It was it was great, man. And I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people did. And I could just, you know, I lowered my volume on the TV, and I, I could hear the, the sounds and the, the, the cracks from ankles and joints nationwide from people dancing in their living room. Because it was it was a great uh, tr- great tribute to hit the hip hop music genre, and I definitely definitely was dancing in my living room along with uh, several other uh, or thousands, if not millions, of other Americans watching that. So it was uh, definitely fun to watch the the Grammys. But we're not talking the Grammys right now. We're talking Arizona basketball. And if you want to talk about the the Wildcats and their latest homestand against the Oregon schools. Call in at 719-1490-719-1490. I'm curious also how Arizona fans perceive Azulus Tubelis. When we talk about some of the top players or you know, players who have put together some of the most impressive seasons in program history, um, especially at the power forward position, how do you view Azulus Tubelis in Arizona basketball lore? And I still think he he's going to put an end to his story. I mean, we still have yet to see how this version of Azulus Dubelis is looking in the Pac-12 tournament and ultimately the NCAA tournament because that's when it's all said and done. I mean, or that that's what matters most. When you think about how Azulus Dubelis performed last season, do people talk about, oh, oh, yeah, he played solid. He was a great player for Arizona. No, people remember how he performed in the month of March, how he looked inferior against teams like Houston and TCU in the NCAA tournament. People remember that. So, Azulus Tubelis, obviously we still need to see this version compete in the NCAA tournament, but man, it's a a, a version of Azulus Tubelis that, frankly, I was interested in seeing happening this year because Azulus Tubelis in the NCAA tournament got straight up punked. He got punked by TCU and by Houston, especially Houston. And he had clean looks at the rim. The shots weren't falling. Defense, defensively, he was a liability. Azulus Tubelis really kind of derailed himself last year in the NCAA tournament. But then he goes into the offseason. He has the opportunity to play for Lithuania in the FIBA World Cup qualifier. And instead... FIBA's like, or excuse me, Lithuania, they're like, listen, man, we we love you. We 
get acknowledged that you're one of the top players to come out of our country right now. But rather than playing for us, we'd much rather you rehab. And you're going to be playing many years for Lithuania. You're going to be representing us in the Olympics, for crying out loud. So Azulis Tubelis and Lithuania, they decided, okay, well, I'm going to not play in the FIBA World Cup qualifier. Instead, I'm going to rehab injury and also get ready for my third season at Arizona, which could be my very last year. And so he went into this summer with the intention of getting better defensively, getting tougher, getting stronger, getting faster, and just becoming an absolute dominant force. And and I talked about him, or I talked to him at the start of the season, and we had this sit-down conversation, and he was very open. I couldn't believe how transparent and honest he was about himself and how he performed in the NCAA tournament. And I asked him, did anything back home have anything to do with how you performed in the tournament? Because you remember at that time, that was at the start of the the Ukraine-Russia crisis and what's right next to Ukraine, Lithuania, Estonia. So I figured, are these countries, you know, what's going on back home? Is Azulis Tabelis affected by it? And I asked him that, and he's like, no, I wasn't really affected by that. I just, I played bad. I just, I wasn't myself for some reason. But then he goes into the summer, works his butt off, gets stronger, tougher, faster, like I said. And then going into this season, Azulis Tabelis has been the constant force for Arizona all this time. He scored in double figures in 23 consecutive games. Uh, or he scored in double figures every single game this season. And so he's been really terrific scoring the ball. But, man, his ability to now become that dude, it's it's honestly, it's really cool to watch because he went from being this quiet I'm going to get you, you know, your 18 and, and your eight boards, and I'm going to do it quietly. He did it against Oregon State. I mean, after scoring 40 points against Oregon, in which he could have easily gotten 50 because he didn't really score much in the last five or six minutes, he could have easily gotten 50, but he settled for 40. So he got 40 points, right? Okay, how does he look against Oregon State? Or He had a quiet 19 points against the Oregon State Beavers. And even though... <laughs> He didn't really look good against Oregon State. He still was able to put up 19 points. He's at that level now. And Tommy Lloyd said it after the game. He is a savvy veteran to where his production, I mean, it's going to really take to him having a really awful game for him, for other people to notice that he's having a bad game. Other than that, he's just been consistent all this time. And Azulis Tubelis has gotten to that point now where he should be considered not just the best player in the Pac-12. I mean, he's already got Pac-12 Player of the Year locked up. There's not a single player in the conference that's playing better basketball right now than Azul Stubelis. And you look at the, the turn of the calendar year. Ever since 2023 started, Azul Stubelis has been averaging 21.7 points and 10.6 rebounds. He's averaging a double-double ever since 2023 started. The last 10 games, he's produced seven double-doubles. And as mentioned many, many times, not just today, not just Friday, but Azulis Tubelis became the first Wildcat to score 40 in a game since Damon Stoudemire in 1995. And what's crazy is a lot of people listening right now weren't even born yet. Um, <laughs> Medea, our producer, puts up puts up her hand. you know, And I'm a young gun, too. So it's just 
it's crazy that it, it's been such a long time since Azulus Tubelis has put, or since any Wildcat has put up 40 points, but Azulus Tubelis, he put himself in that category. So he put up 40 points and did it so effortlessly, and now he turns around has 19 points and eight rebounds against Oregon State. And because of he his great weekend, Azulus Tubelis was named Pac-12 Player of the Week for the second time this season, third time of his career. And I think Azulus Tubelis now, we need to start talking about him being one of the best in the country. And like I said, he put up that impressive performance against Oregon and then had 19 points against Oregon State. That right there put the stamp on Pac-12 Player of the Year. Nobody is going to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. I mean, barring a significant drop-off. And Jaime Jaquez all of a sudden starts putting up 30 a game. Azulus Tubelis is your Pac-12 Player of the Year. And it's the first time Arizona has back-to-back Pac-12 Player of the Years since 1998-1999. Benedict Matherin was the winner last year. Azulus Tubelis is going to get it this year. In 98, Mike, um, Mike Bibby got it. In 1999, Jason Terry was named Pac-12, or excuse me, Pac-10 at the time, Player of the Year. So Azulus Tubelis is going to be helping out Arizona, making history. But Pac-12 Player of the Year is great. The, the difference between... Azulus Tubelis and Benedict Matherin is that at this point of the season, Benedict Matherin was already dubbed one of the best players in college basketball. There was no question he was going to be in the running to win Naismith Player of the Year. Azulus Tubelis, go ask a lot of national pundits what, how they feel about Azulus Tubelis and where they rank him on the hierarchy of players to win National Player of the Year. I bet you Azulus Tubelis makes it on the person's uh when they when they start counting players on their hands I bet you Azulus Tubelis gets to the second hand by the time a lot of people are uh, on the national scale are talking about the best players in college basketball Azulus Tubelis deserves to be in that conversation for national player of the year and uh, Tommy Lloyd said after the game that you know maybe our local media can do a better job of of doing that listen I'm not going to campaign. I'm not going to like tag every single national media member. I'm not going to send Azulus Tubelis highlights to the national guys who cover college basketball. I'm not going to do their job for them, right? But people need to understand that the facts are the facts. And again, I'm not going to campaign or I'm not going to put on my pom-poms for anyone. But the facts are the facts. Azulus Tubelis, the numbers that he's putting up, he's averaging a double-double in 2023. There is not a single big man besides Zach Eady from Purdue putting up the same amount of numbers as Azulus Tubelis. I mean, Zach Eady, he's putting up a double-double almost on on a nightly basis, right? Azulus Tubelis is averaging a double-double in the, the second half of the season, but Zach Eady has been doing it over the course of the entire season. But Zach Eady was already dubbed the top player in college basketball going into this season. So a lot of national media pundits, when they talk about some of the top players in college basketball, they're like, oh, Zach Eady from Purdue, Armando Baycott from North Carolina. How about that Filipowski guy from Duke? They mentioned all of these players that had buzz at the start of the season, but then when a new guy comes on the scene, for some reason, people don't really discover this dude until it's too late. Until the voting already stops and they're already, you know, giving another guy on the East Coast the crown for the National Player of the Year. 
And I always kind of thought Arizona fans were a little too dramatic when it comes to the, you know, the national media doesn't really pay us any attention. I always thought, nah, that that's that's bogus. And I see Jeff Goodman, he he pays attention to Arizona all the time. Um, you know, John Rothstein, they pay attention to Arizona all the time. But I decided to flip on college game day on Saturday, and it was the, you know, they were in Durham, North Carolina for the North Carolina Duke game. And when I flipped it on, I was paying attention to if they mentioned anything about Azulus Tubelis in his 40-point game. And then I waited, and then I waited, and then I waited, and then I went up and got a cup of coffee, uh, threw in uh, some some egg bites from Costco, threw a couple of those in the microwave, said, okay, let's see if uh, they can mention Azulus Tubelis. And maybe I missed it. Maybe it was when I got up to the kitchen and, and got some breakfast and, a, and some coffee that they mentioned Azulus Tubelis. But in the entire time that I watched College Game Day, not one mention of Azulus Tubelis in his 40-point game. Not a single mention. If Zach Eady did this, if Armando Baycott did this, if anyone else on the East Coast did this, they would lead it with College Game Day. It would be the top story. They would be talking about it for 15 to 20 minutes. But that's not the case. They didn't do that for Azulus Tubelis. And... I feel bad for Azula Tubella sometimes because I really honestly, I really feel like he does not get the respect that he properly deserves. And he needs to get that respect. It's due. Now, again, I'm not going to go on Twitter and tag a bunch of national media guys and start DMing a bunch of people saying, hey, look at Azula Tubella and what they're doing. But when I get on this platform here on ESPN Radio, you best believe I'm going to talk about the facts. I'm going to lay it all out. And the fact of the matter is Azula Tubella is that dude. And not only Pac-12 Player of the Year, not only a first-team All-American, but we need to be talking about this guy possibly being National Player of the Year. But let's see if it can continue to happen. I want to see Azulu Sabellas make this a, a weekly thing where he's putting up at least one double-double every single week. I'm not saying Azulu Sabellas has to put up 40 like he did against Oregon, but, man, if he can continue to play at this type of level – Sky's the limit for Azulus Tubelis. And you know what? Not only we're talking about him being National Player of the Year, but we might be talking about him possibly going to the NBA draft. I know that a, a lot of people assume that Azulus Tubelis was going to come back. Not so fast. It all depends on the, the, the type of fit. And if Azulus Tubelis can find the right fit somewhere, now if he's a second-round pick, or like an early second-rounder, you can find a pretty good fit there. Now the money and the contracts, nothing is truly guaranteed, but... At this pace, Azulus Tabellus, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a nice NBA career. Uh, but you know, not only is Azulus Tabellus playing well, but defense has significantly improved for the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, according to CBS's Seth Davis, got to cite your sources here. He's the one who tweeted it. But Seth Davis put out that Arizona went from number 88 in defensive efficiency on January 18th to now number one in the country in defensive efficiency. So Azulus Tubelis is becoming one of the best players in the country. Umar Balo, he's rock solid. He's consistent. But then you have Kirk Creesa shooting better. His three-point numbers have increased. But Courtney Ramey, Kylan Boswell, Pella Larson, other players have really stepped up defensively. Cedric Henderson Jr., now in the starting lineup, he stepped up defensively. And Arizona is becoming one of the best teams defensively in the country. And defense travels. 
whether you're on the road in a true road game, whether you're in the NCAA tournament at a neutral site, these things travel. If the shots aren't falling like we saw against Houston, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to be able to adapt and win in ugly fashion? They did it against UCLA. They've done it a couple times this year. Now I feel confident in them getting into an all-out street fight against a team like Houston in the NCAA tournament. Arizona playing some good basketball right now. Uh, if you want to follow my work on Arizona basketball, I actually posted five takeaways from Arizona's latest homestand against the Oregon schools. You can find that on Tucson.com. And then during tomorrow's show, don't forget P.J. Brown from the Arizona Daily Star will call in to provide her thoughts on the Arizona women's basketball team and their latest sweep of the L.A. schools. Coming up next, we're going to still talk some basketball, but we're going to talk about the Kyrie Irving trade. Kyrie has been traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks. Did the Mavericks give up a little too much? And is this a little too risky for the Dallas Mavericks? Plus, what's going to happen next with the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers as they approach the trade deadline? We're going to talk to Jabari Davis about that coming up next. ESPN Tucson is giving you half-price Friday deals. Starting on Friday, you can go to ESPNTucson.com and click the half-price Friday deals link to purchase $50 in Coffee Exchange Bistro gift certificates for just $25. I love Coffee Exchange Bistro. they got great sandwiches, burgers, wraps, hot coffees, iced coffees, lattes, smoothies, the whole nine. And they're located at 6841 East Camino Principal Road off Tank of Verde Road. Get all the details at ESPNTucson.com. All right, let's talk about the details of this Kyrie Irving trade. The Brooklyn Nets have sent Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's reuniting with the Brooklyn Nets, and a few picks in the 2027 and 29 drafts. Did the Dallas Mavericks give up too much for Kyrie Irving? Is this going to be maybe a thing that turns into a championship or is it going to be a complete disaster? We asked Jabari Davis from iHeartMedia here on ESPN Tucson. Uh, Jabari, always uh, great to hear from you. Always appreciate your time and expertise. And Man, I, I don't know. I have a really hard time processing this Kyrie Irving trade because you know I'm willing to admit that Kyrie Irving is a really good player. He's an all-star starter for a reason in the Eastern Conference this year. But man, the availability, whether it's injury or him not getting the vaccine, coupled with just all the headaches that he comes with, I always ask myself, is Kyrie Irving really worth it? But then you see the production that he gives you, and it's like, yeah, he can be worth it. But I don't know if I really trust him. But, man, it's really interesting to see him matched up with a star like Luka Doncic. So I ask you, Jabari, do you think that this is going to work out, or is this going to be a disaster in the making? It certainly has. To, and, and I appreciate the kind words. Always great to be on with you. And you know, great to be here with you today, Justin. But it, you. It, it, you make a good point. You make an excellent point. It's really just a matter of weighing the cost versus the you know, potential reward. And the reality is this. If you were the Dallas Mavericks and you looked at the Western Conference and you see how wi literally wide open it is, whether you're talking about you know, even as, as, as high up as the top seed to the bottom, you, and, and if you go, you know, if, if you're the Mavericks, if you go to Luka and you say like, hey, are you, are, are you in for this ride? And he says yes, it's worth it. Because the reality is, if you didn't do anything and they went out in the first round again, you know, you know which obviously, you know, if I'm not mistaken, three out of his, you know, four years in the league or two out of, two out of the three years or whatever the case may be, uh, you've done, then you run the risk of, of upsetting the star that you have simply because you can't find a way to put the necessary pieces around him. Now, that's me being nice. The reality is this. 
to the, all the points that you made you know, you know, in, in the buildup, when you have to worry about his availability for whatever the reason is, when you have to worry about some of the off-court stuff, I'll be honest, if you don't wind up signing him long-term, and I know that sounds crazy, you know, you're giving, like, if you were to ask me if I wanted him signed long-term on my team, I would tell you no. Um, but if you don't wind up signing him long-term, then ultimately you're still going to be, you're still going to be at a frustration point with Luca. So yeah, it's worth it in the sense of if it works, it's great. If it works and you, and you make another deep run or you know, like somehow magically those two whose styles aren't necessarily the most congruent, you know, like, oh, you know the, the best on paper to put together, but somehow those two forge a friendship and a bond and they're able to play together and, 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 and they look good moving forward. Well, then it was worthwhile, but if not, yeah, we're going to be here right, you know, right back in the same place next year. Now, do you think pettiness was involved? I know pettiness is always involved when it comes to the NBA, but I feel like this trade might have been a little little petty from the Brooklyn Nets front office standpoint because according to multiple reports, Kyrie Irving wanted to go to the Lakers. And when Kyrie Irving was dealt to the Dallas Mavericks, you have LeBron James tweeting, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the, the reason why, you know, none of this is happening. Now I don't blame the I don't blame the, the Brooklyn Nets wanting to maybe make a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers because if you trade Kyrie Irving, you match him up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis they automatically become the title mm-hmm. favorites, in my opinion. So, and I, quite frankly, I don't think the Lakers have enough to give up for Kyrie Irving compared to what the Dallas Mavericks gave him. So, I, I don't know. I don't really know where, what to think about this, but it, to me, it feels like Kyrie Irving wanted to go to the Lakers, and the Brooklyn Nets were like, no, we're going to send you to the Mavericks. We're going to send you to the best place where we can get better in return. I, I always look at it like this, Justin, and, and that, that's that's also a great question. I'm a red-blooded American man. I'm I, I'm one that does not like to be told what to do, but at the same time, I'm told what to do quite often. You want to know who you don't tell what to do, who you don't bully, or you go back into a corner? A billionaire. And I'm not saying that he's right, but what I am saying is it does not shock me in any way whatsoever to see Joe Sy say whether he said it openly or it was just you know like you know the fat finger on you know like uh, pointing to the picture. Regardless of how it played out, it, it doesn't shock me, and it doesn't even offend me if he ultimately said, hey, yes, we'll go ahead and move him, but it's not going to be where he wants to go. If he wants to go there ultimately on the back end, like in the summer, then go, you know, then have at it. But we're not going to be the one to set up, as you stated, a team that, or at least on paper, would, would be an odds, one of the favorites, or, or, or at least you know, in a far, better, a far greater position than they are you know, currently. So it doesn't shock me. Uh, I absolutely think some pettiness, you know, played into that, you know, played into that decision whether they admit it or not. But I actually have no problem with that because he, you know, he was well within his rights to to wheel or deal one way or another. So where do the Brooklyn Nets fall into biggest disappointments in NBA history? Because you have to put in Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, those Laker teams, because obviously they didn't do a damn thing. Mm-hmm. But man, we were talking about Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving on one team. And the Nets were for a few years were always viewed as okay, they can get to the NBA Finals. They're talented enough to get there, but man, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving only played seventy four games together over the course of four years. That's just absolutely insane to me. I think we have to put them among the top teams in terms of biggest disappointments. There's no other way to look at it. The reality is this: you know, when they came together on paper, we all were saying, hey. It doesn't necessarily look the greatest in terms of fit, but if those guys want to play together and they and they want to come together, they you know perhaps they can make you know find a way to make it happen. The fact that if I'm not mistaken, this group 
uh, you know, the various iterations of it aside, has only won one series as a group. There's no other way to look at it. And I recognize, like, you know, like context matters. You know, sometimes people were injured. Sometimes people were uh, unavailable. We'll say it like that. Other times, you know, people were already looking, you know, you know, looking out the door for an escape plan. But the reality is when we, when this team was set up, it was how many finals will they play in? We, you know, we don't throw, we don't throw around how many will they win so, you know, too often. But we definitely would have imagined that this group would have at least, you know, qualified for a finals run. And the fact that they didn't, there's no other way to look at it than other than an utter, you know, an utter failure. So from the Lakers standpoint, Jabari, uh, did did they dodge a bullet by not getting Kyrie Irving, or is this going to really hurt them when it's all said and done? So there are two ways to look at that. But me personally, you know, like I made it clear, like I was open about it on the timeline. I made it clear, like uh, that's not the, you know, that's not the pool I want to swim in. Uh, no disrespect, you know, I'm not taking anything away from, you know, like, you know, from the tremendous skill. I'm not taking anything away from how incredible that, you know, that that trio could potentially have looked. It was just a matter of with all of the other stuff, all of the outside stuff, and the prospect of re-upping with him, and then you know simply being at the mercy of him, like at the mercy of him, you know, locked in, you know, locked into a you know, long-term contract. That's how I look at it. But if you, you know, the other way to look at it is, you know, much like I was talking about Luca and his level of frustration. Regardless of where the, you know where LeBron James is in his career, you know, year twenty or whatever, he's pl- still playing at a superstar level. Regardless of like whether you know you're frustrated, speaking generally, with Anthony Davis, you know, like in his availability or inavailability or whatever the case may be, when he's there, he still plays at an incredible level. So if you're the Lakers, I, I'll be honest with you. While they didn't get that deal done, and you can you can absolutely see it as you know, you know perhaps a, a bullet dodge, you still need to you still need to go to work. Because you don't want to, re- you don't want to, you know, in this season missing the playoffs again, and then having two two different superstars asking out this off season. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that'll take place, but I will tell you, it, 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 the likelihood of it significantly increases if you don't make the postseason again this year. So, let's say the Lakers stay pat. Are they are they good enough to may- maybe make a run? Because, I mean, in seven-game series, everything's, you know, on the table, especially with LeBron James. But, man, if they get into a play-in situation, I just I- – I don't know if-, if I could trust this Lakers team. Exactly, and that's where I am with it. Yeah, in a perfect world, if you just press fast forward and they were in a play-in situation, yeah, that's great. I, I-, I would I – would, I would, you know, I'd be very confident in their capabilities as, you know, like as a duo. But the reality is, in order to even make it in, they're going to have to put, you know, they're going to have to be playing at, you know, at, at, at fantastic levels, you know, both of them individually as well as as a unit, to the point where, you know, it, this this strikes me as a team that we all we kept on saying, well, when they get healthy, well, when we when this happens, well, when that happens, if they don't go out and make a move and continue to increase, you know, improve the actual depth on this roster then they're going to drag their way to either barely making it into a play-in situation and then, you know, flailing out in that situation or coming up short all for nothing. Yep. And, and to be honest with you, while I recognize you can't always play for an NBA title, like I, I know that, if you have LeBron James playing at this, at, at this level, at this stage in his career, and you have a healthy Anthony Davis, you have no excuse whatsoever to, you know, to, 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 to not put them in the position or at least give them a shot. Absolutely. 
Jabari Davis from My Heart Media Group joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Jabari, I'm, we were supposed to get you on last week, but I'm glad the Kyrie Irving trade finally uh, went through so we could you know, talk about this <laughs> stuff, man. Always appreciate you having on. Always a pleasure talking with you. Have a great week, my man. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and you know I look forward to the next opportunity. Absolutely, man. Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM. 94.9 HD Channel 4 and the Spears and Ali podcast. Stay tuned. Text ESPN Tucson to 95938 to join the ESPN Tucson Mobile Club. You'll get updates from us about events, deals, contests, and alerts you need to know about. Message and data rates may apply. And then if you want all the details on the Tucson Rodeo Parade, which kicks off on Thursday, February 23rd at 9 a.m., go to ESPNTucson.com for all of those details. Huge thanks to all of our guests joining us here on Spears and Ali today. If uh, you missed any of our show, full three hours, you can go to the Spears and Ali podcast located wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm very excited for tomorrow's Spears and Ali because we got Brandon Lang, sports gambling expert, joining us to talk about picks for the Super Bowl. Plus, we're going to talk about the TMC Mega Raffle. And for Top 5 Tuesday, we'll rank the top five power forwards in Arizona basketball history. So tune in from 3 to 6 tomorrow afternoon right here on ESPN Tucson. Appreciate you guys.